Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Joe and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Good morning. You got Jill Welke here to help you get through the chores. It's 35 degrees right outside our back door right now, and we're looking to maybe set a record today with a high of 50. So it'll be interesting out there. I fed the cows last night, and boy, it's muddy. It's like going through spring early. Hopefully it dries out just a bit, and and uh, keeps things going, but it it is kind of refreshing just to be able to go and start the tractor and it goes. So that's that's what I was up to yesterday, and we've got a lot of chores to get through here this morning. We talked last week about the French farmer protests, and there was an answer from the government. So that's always a good thing when they stand up and the government does take notice, and we're all. Uh, United States Senator Tammy Baldwin has put out a new bill to help control or uh, just don't keep it keep track of foreign investment. I guess is the way I'd put it. And beef, U.S. beef in Korea, they think it's the safest safety. They're not worried about the safety of it, and they are really eating it up. And today, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation is hosting Ag Day at the Capitol at the Monona Terrace in Madison. This event gives a variety of farm groups the opportunity to learn more about issues impacting Wisconsin agriculture and meet with their state legislators. Registration starts at 11, with the informational program starting at 11.30. Then after lunch, legislative issues will be discussed in large group. And then between 3 and 5 today, attendees will have the opportunity to go to their representative's office. For a fee, you can still register at the event. So if your plans have changed and you still and you want to go down to Madison for the Ag Day at the Capitol, sponsored by the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, you can still go down there. There is a fee that goes along with it, but you can still have a chat with the legislators. Our audio today will be about living in a small town and rural diversity and rural livability. And um, I'm the first to say I'm not ready to move to a big town by any means. Um, I, I do live on the end of a dead end road, so it's a little more secluded back there, but I like it. And that's 
I mean, you got to do what's right for you and and what you are um, involved in and what makes sense to your, um, I don't know, the way you were raised and what you have for animals and that kind of thing. So that's what I kind of always go back to because uh, I've had a few discussions and I said, I'm just not ready to move out of there. So I guess I'm going to stay there for a while yet. And we do have cows that we do calve out. We're going to have 52 this year. So that's always a, a job in itself. And I have my chickens and I've been thinking about getting maybe even some pigs this year. So always an adventure at the, as Bob calls it, the Welke Land and Cattle Company. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit because the Eau Claire Farm Show is going to be happening March 6th, or 5th and 6th at the Chippewa Valley Conference Center. Spaces are still available. Contact North Country Enterprises if you would like to have your display out there. But the cat that I'm letting out of the bag is at the wax uh, booth at the Eau Claire Farm Show, we're going to be giving away two tickets and a bus ride to see Brantley Gilbert down at the Lacrosse Center. And that show is on March 23rd, but we'll be giving away two tickets at the Eau Claire Farm Show. That's another encouragement to come on out to that farm show and sign up. And it's that time to look at our first look at markets. And our cash livestock, choice-fed beef steers are 167 to 176, with mixed steers 142 to 166. Choice-fed beef heifers are 167 to 175, with those mixed heifers coming in at 105 to 166. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 145 to 174. Choice-fed Holstein steers are 145 to 154, with select and silage-fed steers 104 to 143. Cows are 80 to 115, with bulls at 86 to 121. Shorn market lambs are 177 to 194. Feeder lambs are 2 to 265. And ewes are 95 to 140. Small goats are 15 to 125. Medium goats are 75 to 210. Large goats are 100 to 400 dollars, with nanny goats at 20 to 270 dollars. And our futures markets. They're all trending upward today. So our live cattle futures for February 178.02 up 65 cents. April 181.75 up 52 cents. And June 179.22 up 75 cents. And our feeder cattle futures also trending upward. For March 241.32 up $2.70. April 247 up $2.40. May 25222 up $2.17 and August 26687 up $1.82 and our lean hog futures lean hog carcass futures for February 7585 up 57 cents April 8490 up $1.47 and May 8917 up $1.12 and moving on over to our Chicago Board of Trade. March corn sitting at 446, down a penny and a half. March oats, 377, up just a fraction. 
March soybeans, 12.08, down 10 cents. March soybean meal, $360 a ton, down two and a half dollars. And March wheat, down six and a half cents to 5.98. And those markets are trending downward because of the warm weather here in the United States. The good weather in Brazil, and it's still dry in Argentina. But let's take a look at our cheese markets. Barrel cheese, 153, down two cents. 40 pound blocks, 164 and three quarters, up three and three quarters. And our gray double A butter, 280 and a quarter with no change from yesterday. And our class three milk futures. Yesterday we had a big bounce up in the current, in the um, early part of the year. Today, the arrows turn the other way and they are heading down, but not quite in as big a chunks as they did yesterday. So our class three milk futures for January, 1520 down two cents, February down 23 cents to 1623, March dipping below that $17 mark to 1693 down 13 cents. April down 12 cents to 17.27 and May up a penny to 17.63 and as I mentioned before the first part of the year here it's trending downward for that market but then when we get into our June July August it does trend back upward so it's always interesting to watch those markets move around and and realize the effects that the weather has on it because that's what happened to our grain markets is warmth in the United States, good weather in Brazil, and dry in Argentina. So looking for those bumper crops to come on through. It's the last Wednesday in January, and it is time to hear from Ed Sabe. He is from Allied Cooperative, and he's part of the feed division. There's a new facility being built why did Allied Cooperative decide to build at Hickston? So Hickston was an existing facility or our company, and the feed mill was the last missing piece there. You want to build your feed mill right next to your grain, and we have grain storage there. We have agronomy. There's a country store there. We have a fuel depot there as well, and it was only natural that Hickston was completed with a feed mill because of also the infrastructure of highways where it's located. It's in a really nice neutral spot, and that will allow us to complete our whole geography across the center of the state. Let's get behind the reasoning for the new feed mill. The reason why Hickston is the central location of our new facility, our board has a great vision of today, tomorrow, and the future on where we need to be uh, for our customers. There's a long history in our industry, like everybody else. We would like to um, continue the services for our customers, for our existing ones, and also new customers um, in the future. A new feed mill in Hickston. What are some of the special features with it? It's a high-tech mill. You know, we, we mix feed by computer in this area. It's a, it's a new facility that has the ability to make accurate, quality feed in a short amount of time. It's very efficient. And bringing up that efficiency, how much feed can it make? You know, is it measured by the hour? Is it measured by the 
batch, or how's it measured? In today's world, we measure by the ton, and we can make a batch of feed within a couple of minutes. The mixing capability is super efficient. We have bins overhead storage for our ingredients, and the mixer is set up to mix anywhere between two and three minutes for a batch. And talking about mixing those batches, are you focused more on the bag routes or bulk or a combination? So we are focused on the bulk and the bag route system altogether. And when we talk about the Hickston Mill, do we have a goal range that you guys travel in? So right now our existing facilities, and this one is no different, we have um, within about a 100-mile range. Anything else you would like to tell me about the mill? The projected estimated startup date is within the first half of March of this year. It's been a two-year project. Uh, We are moving forward quite rapidly, and our builder is doing a great job getting us scheduled so we can um, hit the ground running here shortly. Did you model this after any existing facilities, or is this a new brainchild? The Hickston Mill is designed by the same builder that we have had over the years, and our Auburndale Mill is our mothership, if you will. That's our main operation, and Hickston is designed in part by some of those features that we have at the Auburndale Mill, and those being extra loadout bins, efficient way of loading, electronic mixing, and warehouse space that we can provide for custom orders, uh, pickup, and or the bag route coming out of their staging areas. Custom orders comes to my mind. Do you have nutritionists that's available to help out the farmer with bringing up the custom orders to the farm's needs? We absolutely do. That's uh, really what we pride ourselves on is the the ability to custom develop any ration that any farm would want as far as a custom order. We also manufacture floor stocks that are formulated to meet some of those smaller custom mixes. We'll have on the floor there as well. We want to be able to custom order anywhere from a bulk load to a custom bag order. Always good to hear about expansions that are happening for a purpose with Allied Cooperative. And that was Ed Sabe. He's part of the feed division for Allied Cooperative. And I'm Jill Welke. And we're going to take a quick look at our farm news brought to you by Chili Implement. United States Senator Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin and a bipartisan group of senators have introduced the AFIL Improvements Act of 2024. It's a bill prompted by the recent Government Accountability Office report for the purpose of strengthening and strengthening the reporting and enforcement of foreign investment in American agricultural land. The report detailed alarming gaps in how the USDA currently tracks foreign investments. This legislation is Senator Baldwin's latest effort to increase transparency and oversight of foreign ownership in the American agriculture industry. And Crane Beef consumers are confident in the safety of the United States beef products. A record 70% of Korean customers say U.S. beef is safe and plan on consuming it, according to U.S. Meat Export Federation President Yang. The United States has been the dominant beef supplier 
to the Korean market for the past seven years. And with statistics that back the safety of the beef exported into the country, consumers have become more confident in the quality of the product. The trust and investment from U.S. beef producers through the Beef Checkoff Program and the USDA have helped to open the beef export market to Korea in a leading, to a leading value market. Stop and think about the small town you grew up in or the small town you live in today. Have you ever thought about why people want to live in that rural community and how do you get them there? Rural livability has become a focus at the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences at UW-Madison. And thanks to some federal grant money, the college is looking at what assets are needed to sustain Wisconsin's rural towns. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And one of the voices in the rural livability conversation belongs to Stephen Deller. He specializes in rural economic growth and development. He's also a professor in the Department of Agricultural and Applied Economics. Today, he marries together for us the measurable economic trends and also those anecdotal human elements that play a role in keeping these small towns resilient. We start with his outlook for rural Wisconsin's economy in 2024. Because of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, there was this expectation that we would go into a recession. Uh, that's kind of a natural outcome. Uh, the, the idea is that to, to get inflation down is you need to kind of drive the economy into a mild recession. It looks as though we're not going to go into a recession. It looks as though we're going to have a soft landing, which is kind of the optimal outcome. Is interest rates and inflation the main indicator? Walk me through the different indicators that give you that outlook. The spike of inflation was really driven by problems related to COVID. So there wasn't really anything structural with the economy other than the shocks of COVID. So that spike in inflation really was a short-term phenomenon. So the rising of interest rates to slow inflation down, inflation kind of came down on its own. And raising interest rates kind of helped it slow down. But because inflation is coming down, the Federal Reserve really has very limited reasons to continue to raise interest rates. And there's really expectations of not are they going to continue to increase it, but when are they going to start cutting it? And that has really kind of driven a lot of optimism about the economy. You know, another point that you had brought up ahead of this interview was employment. Usually we see a low unemployment rate as a really, really good sign. However, it's also a telltale that we're a little short on workforce, which has been a conversation agriculture has been having for a while now. Tell me about this double-edged sword that we're looking at today. That's really kind of the odd thing with what's been happening with this economy is that the labor market has remained very, very strong. It's partially because we're generating more jobs and we have people to fill those jobs, but that's a long-term phenomenon. That's not a, a current unique situation. We've been facing that for years. The second thing is is that uh, because firms had such a hard time hiring people coming out of COVID, they're really reluctant to lay people off. So we're not seeing the unemployment rate go up as we might expect because of that tight labor market. Now, the question is, what's a tight labor market? What's the correct unemployment rate, if you will? And it's what economists call the natural rate of unemployment. There's always churn in the economy. There will always be people that are unemployed. Businesses are opening, they're closing, they're expanding, they're contracting. There's a natural churn. With that is a natural rate of unemployment. Now, what is that? Is it 3%? Is it 4%? 
we can't come up with a specific answer. What we do know is that when you start to get unemployment rates below 3%, you're running into a very tight labor market. If you get unemployment rates above 5%, you're starting to get a surplus of labor. So it's kind of in that, those are kind of the, the benchmarks that we run with. Is there any indication that the tight labor market for farms in particular is going to loosen up? No. Um, One of the things that is coming out of this tight labor market is that workers are able to demand higher wages. And when you get into the farm sector and the food processing sector, um, the margins, the profit margins are such that a lot of farmers and a lot of uh, processors simply cannot afford to pay more. Uh, And that's creating a problem for them. This is where um, we need to think about new supplies of labor, new pools of labor, and we need to talk about immigration policy because that's a source of labor that might be able to fill those lower-paying jobs. Uh, But right now, it's uh, a lot of farmers, a lot of food processors are really kind of in a a no-win situation. It's never something that can be agreed upon at the state or federal level. The problem with immigration is that we've got two things. We've got undocumented workers coming across the southern border. That is an issue that we, as a country, we need to deal with it. But there's also legal immigration. And we have not revised uh, those policies since the Reagan administration. So I think what we need to do is to try to separate those two issues. One is how do we deal with the southern border and also the northern border. There's a lot coming in from the northern border that we don't tend to talk about. But it's the, it's the legal immigrants that are coming in on work visas, student visas. How can they transition into work visas? We need to have serious conversation about that element of our immigration policy. But we can't separate the two issues politically. And that's why we're kind of we're stagnant, which means that a lot of farmers and a lot of food processors are kind of left holding the bag. The things that we've talked about have been things you can measure. Inflation, interest rates, employment rates, uh, the consumer price indexes, etc. These are things you measure, but it's not the only thing that determines rural livability, which is something the university is focusing on. What are some of those other indicators of the state of our rural economy that you can't really put into a number? This is the whole point of the project. Uh, we received a, a rather large grant through the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences um, that came through Tammy Baldwin's office. And the, the intent of that project is to try to identify rural communities that by growth measures, they appear stagnant. They're, I mean, population is not really changing. The number of businesses is not really changing. Unemployment is not really changing. But these are really dynamic communities. These are really high quality of life places to live how do we how do we quantify that can we quantify that how can we help communities think about the quality of life within their communities uh, beyond simply more jobs more businesses more people more housing have you gotten any answers yet i think that the timing for this type of work is appropriate it's is because a lot of communities across Wisconsin are kind of moving away from a jobs, jobs, jobs focus, and they're thinking people, people, people. They've come to this uh, through the sense of we can't fill the jobs that we have. Why are we trying to generate more jobs? What can we do to attract more people to live in this community? So the idea really is to shift away from jobs, jobs, jobs to people, people, people. Now, 
why would people want to live in this community as opposed to another community? It's quality of life. And that's where we're trying to put a handle on that. So you're investing in the local schools not to produce labor, but because people want to send their kids to those schools. We're investing in parks and recreation. Why? Because it improves the quality of life. We're hosting a farmer's markets, not because it's going to help farmers, you know, profitability. It helps, but it contributes to the quality of life. What are those kind of attributes that makes for a really dynamic community? These questions and concerns about rural livability, this isn't unique to Wisconsin. This is a regional issue. It's a national issue, I, you've argued. But does Wisconsin have an edge? Do we have anything that sets us apart? We do. Um, I have a conversation with a colleague that's at Iowa State University, and we talk in terms of like boomerang migration. For example, what we mean by that is youth that go off to college. They go off to get a college degree. They go off to the Twin Cities. They go off to Chicago. They get a career. They start. And then they hit a certain point, and they think, maybe I want to move back home. Why would they move back home? It's a quality of life boomerang migration what can communities do to attract that when i have this conversation with my colleagues in iowa uh, they kind of say eh, that doesn't happen and my response is well wisconsin has a high quality of life look at iowa towns it's kind of a professional you know back and forth a little bit but wisconsin has unique characteristics we have natural amenities we have forests we have lakes we have rivers we have the driftless area uh, we have the cut and ran area we have certain characteristics that are really unique and we can build on that I agree with that. I think there's a lot of things to see out here. You talk about traveling and going different places, but we kind of have a diamond in the rough right here in Wisconsin and different things that you can go see. And I mean, encourage, look out the window. I mean, make sure you're driving safely, but encouraging those kiddos to look out the window and see what you can see. Well, that was Steve Deller and talking about rural livability and the quality of life here in wisconsin we've got rocky olson from premier livestock in we talked just a snippet about living in wisconsin and you're not originally from the state what's the best part about living in wisconsin compared to where you used to live uh well i grew up in wisconsin then ended up moving to missouri but uh, i would say it's not as hot Ah. that would be my big thing so yeah, well, yeah, we did. I uh, showed my kids' show down in Missouri one time for a national show, and it was in Chillicothe. And we got up in the morning, and the temperature at 8 o'clock in the morning was 96 degrees. Yeah, that ain't no fun. So I get what you're saying. <laughs> so. And their winter is pretty much ice, so ah, that's no fun either. I see. So Wisconsin does have at least some of those good ap- attributes that keep you here, right? Oh, yeah. Beautiful summers, for sure. Yep. And along with those markets, what happened yesterday uh, at the market? Uh, thank you, Jill. Good morning, everyone. This uh, yesterday's uh, auction shaped up here at Premier Livestock. Uh, we just had a regular feeder cattle auction. It was not a special. Uh, we sold 250 head of feeder cattle, most of new crop beef calves, uh, 185 to 295. Polstein steers, mostly 140 to 210. Very active market on the feeder cattle. Next week, Tuesday, that's our big special feeder cattle auction. We're going to have one heck of a run for next Tuesday. Quality is tremendous. Uh, we'll also be selling bred beef cows. 
Uh, note, we are starting earlier on our special sale. So it's going to be at 10 o'clock a.m. We encourage you to bring the feeder cattle the night before. Uh, overnight feeder cattle sell first. We do feed and water all the feeder cattle for no charge. Uh, beef cows need to be in by 8.30 in the morning for preg checks or the night before as well. Uh, today, Wednesday, we got a large hay auction, lots of hay, all various qualities, lots of bedding. Uh, that's going to be at 9.30 this morning. And then 11 o'clock a.m. have our dairy cattle auction, very, very big dairy cattle auction today. We're going to have over 400 head of dairy cattle. Uh, we got a herd of 150 Holstein Parlor Freestalls cows, uh, load after load of top-end fresh Parlor Freestall cows. Uh, we got that group of 30 fresh uh, Jersey crosses. They're going to be averaging over 100 pounds of milk. And like I say, load after load, averaging 95 to 135 pounds of milk. Uh, also got a real nice run of Springers. Uh, if you're looking for jerseys, we got over 65 jerseys pre-consigned. Cows and spring and heifers. Uh, those early consignments on our website at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Market highlights so far this week, uh, the fed cows. Uh, the feedlot type cows, high yielding cows from 115 to 126, uh, many cows 90 to 114, uh, top fed Holstein steers 152 to 158. We see an extreme top on the Holsteins at 164. Uh, choice beef steers and heifers up to a dollar seventy-two. Newborn Holstein bull calves continue strong, mostly three to five hundred. Your beef calves four hundred to seven and a quarter. Questions? Uh, upcoming sales? Uh, like I say, detailed market reports. It's all on our website. But give us a holler here at Premier seven one five two two nine twenty five hundred, and that's how it shaped up. It always shapes up awfully busy. I better let you get back to the barn to. Start sorting out all those uh, cows, huh? Oh, yeah. Preg, preg check right away. So. Well, and that's always good and reassuring for their buyers. That's for sure. All right. All right. You have a great day. You too. And that was Rocky. <laughs> and that was Rocky. I almost missed my button here. That was Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock. And, oh, we are so busy here in the station that we need to keep on moving through. And I've got Morgan McCarthy with our local news. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning. Here's what we're learning today. A job fair plan for today and tomorrow puts healthcare workers center stage. Marshfield Clinic looking to connect with local healthcare workers affected by HSHS and Prevea closures. Details online with a job fair that's set to be held today and tomorrow. 715newsroom.com. As we look to other headlines from our area, Den County Sheriff's Office is looking for tips after they found suspicious items alongside of the road with what appears to be a substantial amount of blood on them. Those items recovered at State Highway 40 near the Whitetail Golf Course in the township of Colfax over the weekend. And if you want more information or can offer some anonymous tips, you can find that online at 715newsroom.com. In Price County, the investigations continue into two deaths as the sheriff there, Brian Schmidt, said that on January 27th, a little after four in the morning, they got a call from a third party saying there was a possible suicidal subject who had just killed his wife. This was located at a home in the township of Elk. And when they arrived, they were unable to make contact with anyone inside the home, eventually finding two deceased subjects. The victim, Patricia Cooper of Cottage Grove. The investigation continues and you can find the full press release at 715newsroom.com. We look to the Capitol level where a proposed bill in Wisconsin legislature would require schools to teach a comprehensive sex education class. Democratic State Senator Melissa Agard introduced the Healthy Youth Act again, which would require all students to have medically accurate and age-appropriate sex education. The act was passed in 2009 initially, but then repealed in 2011 by former Republican Governor Scott Walker. 
You may remember that. The early call on the bill is that required classes would have to include curriculum about puberty, pregnancy, body image, and communication between students and guardians about sexuality. Also in there would be the impact of social media on behaviors and emotions. Well, it's not what volunteers at the Goodwill in Ashland expected to find last weekend. A store there called the Marathon County's Bomb Crew after somebody donated a World War II-era hand grenade. Ashland Police Lieutenant Brandon Martin said it was a Japanese grenade, which is something they could decide based on the explosion when they detonated it. They believe it was still live. They figure maybe somebody was cleaning out an attic, placed it in the donation box, and never really checked to see what it was. And of course, the big game is coming up, so let's put eyes to the sky. United and American Airlines are adding special flights between Kansas City and Las Vegas over the Super Bowl weekend. American added two flights with the number 1989, a nod to Swift's birth year, and arguably her most popular album. The flights will take off on Friday, February 9th, and Saturday the 10th from Kansas City to the host city. Following the game, there is a flight 87, which is Kelsey's jersey number, which departs Las Vegas on February 12th. Airlines commonly add special flights to Super Bowl host cities for fans traveling to see the game. The game this year is set for Sunday, February 11th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. But before we get to Sin City, we have chores to do in the dairy land. We better get back to work with Joe Welke and your Midwest Farm Report. Well, here's another look at our farm news. Last week, French farm report protests were in the news, and the French government has now responded to those protests with an announcement of plans to ease regulations and maintain government support. France will also remain opposed to a free trade agreement with the European Union and a few South American countries. Farmer protests of spreading manure, burning hay piles, and highway blockades have also been held in Germany, Poland, and other parts of Europe this month. And we'll take a look at our calendar. I mentioned earlier, kind of let the cat out of the bag, but the 2024 Eau Claire Farm Show is going to be March 5th and 6th at the Chippewa Valley Conference Center. There are spaces still available if you're looking to put some advertising out there. Contact North Country Enterprises on their website to find out more. But And WAX will have a booth there. Uh, Bob and I will be <laughs> filling up that booth. But we, I get to give away some tickets. I've got some tickets for Brantley Gilbert is going to have a show at Lacrosse Center on March 23rd. And I'll be lucky enough to give away a, cup, a pair of tickets and the bus ride to get down to that show. So we've uh, so that's your encouragement to come to the 2024 Eau Claire Farm Show. And we do have a busy week. We've got the Corn Soy Expo will be opening up tomorrow. So Thursday and open through Friday. And along with that, the Wisconsin Pork Association has their annual meeting down at the Kalahari Convention Center in Wisconsin Dells. And on Monday, we were talking about Brent Wink going down to the Corn Soy Expo. So I think it'd be kind of cute and interesting if... You find Brent and get his autograph. Just tell him that we are encouraging you from this station, from the farm show here on Wax, to uh, talk to Brent Wink. Get his take on what he thinks is going to be happening in the crop world this year. I know we 
are, are probably already have those seeds ordered and the fertilizer planned out and everything is planned out. But I dare you to talk to Brent Wink and get his autograph down there. And the Wisconsin FFA alumni and supporters is having their state convention starting on Friday and going into Saturday over in Green Bay. And we've got some other, we've got a, I was looking through some magazines and on Saturday the 3rd, there's a Euchre tournament in Eliva. It's at the town of Pleasant Valley Community Center from 4.30 till 10. There's an entry fee, but there's cash for the top prizes. And the Euchre play starts at 6 p.m. So that's a Euchre tournament. I thought that was interesting. Uh, And then we have for your toy lovers, the 37th annual Central Wisconsin Farm Toy Show is on Sunday, February 4th from 9 till 3 at the Marshfield Senior High School Fieldhouse. There's also a pedal tractor pull at 12.30. Registration for that is at noon. So if you're looking for a toy show, there is a bit of an admission. Not too much, but kids under 10 are free to get into the Central Wisconsin Farm Toy Show. That's held at the Marshfield Senior High School Fieldhouse on Sunday from 9 till 3. Get a look at some of those choice, chore, <laughs> toys and compared to what you have in your house. I know I always find it kind of interesting, all the stuff that my kids played with. So that's what I have for your news and market, or news and calendar. Let's move on over to our markets. My mouth is getting ahead of my fingers. We're going to be hearing from Jim Lindsay and Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers, dollar forty-five to dollar sixty-seven. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, dollar forty-five to dollar sixty-three. Hyaline choice and prime Holstein steers, dollar fifty to a dollar fifty-eight. Choice Holstein steers, dollar forty to a dollar forty-nine. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, a dollar thirty-nine and down. Top twenty percent of the cull cows sold from a dollar to a dollar sixteen. We had a top of a dollar twenty. Sixty percent of the cows sold from seventy to a dollar nine. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from sixty-nine and down. Organic market on Tuesday, eighty percent of the organic cows sold from a dollar nineteen to a dollar forty-two. Bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from $1.18 and down. Cull bulls sold from $95 to $1.12. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from $200 to $400 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $200 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $340 to $615 per head. Our next special feeder sale will be Friday, February 2nd. We will feature bred beef cows at this sale. All Feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Well, thanks, Jim, for that update. And we're going to keep piling on those markets. And I've got Jerry Fitzgerald from Equity Stratford on the line. And good morning, everyone. Summary from uh, yesterday, Tuesday, here at Equity Stratford on the cow market, conventional cow market yesterday. A steady trend on the cows. Uh, High-yielding, fleshy, Holstein cows in yesterday's auction were selling from 96 to $1.14. Most of the cows we're selling this week so far are selling between 75 and 95 Thinner cows, plainer cows, below $75 money. On the organic market yesterday, uh, uh, good quality certified organic cows are uh, uh, selling from $1.20 to $1.30. Lower yielding organic cows, $1.20 and below. 
Back to the conventional markets now on the bulls. Uh, better quality bulls this week, selling mostly from 96 to $1.15. Lighter weight bulls, 93 and below. We'll have an update on the Fed cattle tomorrow. Most of those will be sold uh, this morning on our uh, auction this morning. Uh, a recap on the calf market. Good quality replacement Holstein bull calves so far this week. Mostly from 250 to $500 with a top at 550 Your better quality heifer calves uh, selling mostly from 100 to 270 Beef calves. Very strong as usual, three fifty to seven hundred, up to seven seventy on Monday. So again, we'll have an update on all those tomorrow. In the meantime, though, our Wednesday auction gets underway this morning here with market cattle. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll sell fed cattle, also sheep, hog, and goats. And then at twelve thirty, feeder cattle auction, folks. Uh, if you're looking for some good quality feeder cattle, we got a nice lineup today, including a large consignment of of over seventy Holstein steers for one owner. They're going to weigh about in that six to eight range, just ready for the feed lot. Um, good quality cattle, on-feed, home-raised cattle. So if you're looking for Holsteins, we'll have a bunch of those today. Also, several consignments of uh, beef cattle, including at the time some black and red steers and heifers. They're going to weigh around 750. So nice run of feeder cattle today. Again, that'll be at 1230. And uh, after the feeder cattle sale, we will sell baby calves this afternoon. Keep in mind our auction tomorrow does start at 11, full marketing day also. And one week from today, uh, one week from today, special bread beef cow sale here in Stratford, uh, Wednesday, February 7th. And we do have a consignment of black Angus bread beef cows already for that auction. Uh, more information on our website. You can click on our Stratford page, Equity Co-op, and on the Stratford page, and uh, you'll be there. And also, uh, if uh, looking ahead a little bit, of course, um, Spring of the year, this time of the year, annual meeting time. So if your folks are interested in attending annual meetings, I think they want you to pre-register again. More information on our website. I think the annual meeting in Stratford here, I'll have to look up the date. It's uh, March, I think it's March 22nd or something like that. I think it's on a Friday. But we'll have more information later on. But just to give you folks a heads up because... I'm oh, looking at my paperwork here. I think I have your annual meeting dates, actually. So uh, I think it's the 22nd. I'm not sure I should have written it down. Yeah. down here. For Stratford Market, Friday, March 22nd, it's at the Country Air in Stratford. Registration starts at 11 with lunch at 11.30. All right, Jill, you have a nice day. We'll talk to you uh, next month. And that was Jerry Fitzgerald from Equity Stratford. For our last look at our markets, Chicago Board of Trade. March corns at 4.46, down a penny and a half. March oats. 377 up a fraction. March soybeans 1208 down a dime. And March wheat 598 down six and a half cents. And our country elevator prices Golden Plump in Arcadia 414 for their cash corn price. Baldwin 381 and 1124. Chippewa Falls and Connorsville 380 and 1136. Durand 376 and 1114. Mondovi 381 for corn and 1119 for beans. Elmwood 386 and 1124. Fall Creek 376 and 1114. Osseo 391 for corn and 1124 for beans. Elk Mound 389 and 1131. Sparta 392 and 1120. Ellsworth 391 and 1119. Loyal 386 and 1118. Arcadia 406 and 1128. And our ethanol plants, Boyceville and New Richmond, both at 401. Stanley 406. And our cheese markets, barrels 153 down two cents. 40 pound blocks, 164 and three quarters up three and three quarters. And a great double A butter holding steady from yesterday at 280 and a quarter. 
in our Class 3 milk futures. January 15.20, down 2 cents. February 16.23, down 23 cents. And March, down 13 cents to 16.93. And our last look at our weather, it's 33 degrees right outside our back door. Today, record high possibility of 50 degrees and into the middle 40s into next week. So that's what I have for the farm show for this wonderful Wednesday morning. Remember, take care of yourself and take care of each other. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report, available at waxradio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at waxradio.com.